0: come
1: move this and you'll just get your book. Yeah, I'll just grab my stand and, uh, and, and my music and I'll just fart off right over there. Just don't trip on all the stuff. I won't. Yeah, I won't. I'm more worried about going down the stairs. What, my left knee is not
2: okay. I'm more worried about going down the it's stairs than anything.
1: the screaming distorted guitars. <laughs> Kids would love that.
0: Oh, so it'll just go back. If y'all want to watch so you can watch the kids, and then we'll come up afterwards.
3: Well, good morning, good morning, all right, thank you, it is good to see you, and I want to welcome you to First Baptist Church and trying to get us going because we have a lot to do today, I'm excited, Um, but I want to call your attention to the worship guide quickly, you'll notice the Lottie Moon, we'll see a video later about that angel trees, um, please make sure you pick up an angel and, and be involved in that ministry right outside in, on, on the tree there by the coffee table. And then um, you'll see the this Wednesday night um, at 6 o'clock our Pell City High School Concert Choir will be here. Nate Birch took over last year. They were great and he's going to be leading it and it'll be a great time. So please Come support the high school students at six o'clock in the sanctuary. The children's activities will be going on. The student ministry will be there involved with us, and so um, your children will have a place to be a part of and doing all their things. And then adults will be in the choir room. I mean, in the sanctuary across the thing. And then don't forget about the special needs class that we're trying to start. Um, we need some volunteers, so please do that. Two more, a couple more things. Um, we got a lot to talk about today. One. These little cards are outside on the coffee table. It's just a way for you to invite people to our Christmas services. And so please um, do that. Pick one up. There's three in each pack. Get as many packs as you think you would need. Inside your worship guide is a week of prayer. It's from um, the WMU. It helps us pray for our missionaries as we give to Lottie Moon. And then a couple more things. One, um, there's a little prayers out of Colossians. It's supposed to be out in the foyer there, and, and if you want to pick one of those up, and then don't forget, next week is the breakfast. Um, well, the traditional service will worship as normal. They'll come over here and join you in this room for breakfast, and then it, when it's time, I'll announce it, and we'll go over to the sanctuary this week, next week, and worship. And so, same worship times, just instead of Sunday school, we'll have a community breakfast together. So, I hope you can be a part of that. Well, are you ready to worship? Some of you are. The rest of you ready to worship now. All right, come on. We're going to stand and greet one another in just a second. Our children are going to come and prepare to lead us in the first couple songs. And then after that, our Advent reading. But let me just remind you that tonight at 6 in the sanctuary, our children and preschool children's ministries will be leading us in worship in, in, in their Christmas program. So make plans to come back for that. Let's stand up and greet one another and let the children come on through.
2: You want me to help you? I'll give you a hand.
3: Luca. Let's try not to jump. Let's try not to jump on the... Thank you. You can be seated. It is good to see all of you here. Um, thankful for all those who, who, um, who take care of our children there on Wednesday nights and do choir and RAs and GAs and act, uh, all those things. And so we'll turn it over to you, Dan. Is
0: this not a wonderful looking group up
3: there. Yeah.
2: Hope you enjoyed.
0: Good morning. (coughs) Waiting is hard in a fast-paced society. We want the stoplight to change quickly, the grocery line to move faster, and Christmas morning to arrive soon. We forget that before good things happen, preparations must be made. Preparations were made for the coming of Jesus that first Christmas morning. Last Sunday, we lit the prophecy candle and remembered those Old Testament prophets who first spoke the coming of the Christ child. The second purple candle we light today symbolizes faith. This is the Bethlehem candle, and it reminds us of Mary and Joseph's journey to the stable that God had prepared for the birth of his son.
1: In Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 23, we find these words. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together as she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Let us pray. Father God, in this very busy season with so many things to do, Help us to hear your voice afresh and in you each day, calling us to prepare the way of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Call us to repentance. Live in us by your Spirit that our lives will produce good fruit to the praise and honor of your name. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. All right, church. Let's continue to worship. Let's stand. Let's um enjoy the Lord. I love just that thought Jody and Joe Bob just mentioned of stopping and really reflecting on what Christmas is all about and Jonathan had written this song we introduced it last week but just God becoming man and so let's let's focus our attention this morning as we worship as we sing on that baby that would also reconcile us to God one day so let's enjoy the Lord.
2: He is the fullness of God
0: Father, we are so grateful today that you have made peace by the blood of your cross. And Father, today, even as we pray, you are the Lord of heaven and earth. You are the creator. You are the redeemer. Father, you are supreme over all things. And Father, I love that we can rest in those truths today. Thank you for what you're doing in us and through us. And Father, we just pray that we see you high and lifted up in this service.
2: for our-
3: Beautiful Jesus, we come before you. You, you indeed are the beautiful one. There's no one to compare to you. There's, there's no beauty that comes close. John said that when they saw you, they beheld the glory of the Father. We praise you. As we look at this Advent season and think of what you've done, how you came to us because we couldn't come to you, knowing what we know around Good Friday and Easter around the corner, knowing why you came, to know that you were the supreme beauty. You enjoyed the worship of angels. you left and came to the earth for the curses of men forgive us when we don't hold you as all beautiful forgive us when we worship other things instead of you forgive us when other things think preeminence in our life help us to see you for who you are I, I thank you for the text we have today I thank you for the words that Holy Spirit, you led Paul to write so that we would know just how beautiful you are, Jesus. That we would know who you are. That we could worship you accordingly. And so, Father, as we come to this, we we lift up those who are hurting. We continue to pray for Samuel. We pray, God, that you would just take the pneumonia away from him. That you would heal his body and restore him. We pray for others, we pray for, um, we pray for Frank Morrison, God, and his ask as he starts treatments again that you would bless him and and to just, Lord, take away the cancer. We pray for Jerry Heiss and his family and the loss of Miss Jean, and we pray, God, for your comfort for him. And as we think about this season and, and the mission field that we have, even as as we're about to see a, um, a man who's been called to share the, the gospel with the nations in the, outside of synagogue, Lord, would you bless Moses and his family as they minister and bless our, our missionaries as they do what you've called them to do. Watch over us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the season for our Lottie Moon Christmas offering every penny of that offering goes to the missionaries and you're about to see one who is called to go to the islands and minister and so just pay attention to this and get an idea of what happens when you give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering our goal is $105,000 we met that last year we can meet it again so I encourage you to give sacrificially give generously to this and look and see what happens when you do this kind of thing
4: Really, I don't know how to swim. So when the Lord called me to do the island ministry, I said, no, it's not possible because I don't know how to swim. And immediately, he gave me Isaiah 43. We say, even in the water, I will be with you. Don't be afraid. (laughs) I remember when we first uh, went to the islands, the majority of them are animists they have to appease the spirit because if they don't, something bad will happen to them. So all life really is embedded in fear. So we share the gospel with them. I was challenged and I promised them that I would come back. And we've been coming, doing discipleship training with them. And about three months later, we baptized 19 of them. If you see most of the believers here, you can tell they are not in fear because their faith is in Christ. And they believe that Christ is greater. Christ really liberated us from that fear. And it's very encouraging, sharing their faith, trying to reach their own people, but also the surrounding island, they're going there to share the gospel. This is what I wanna see in all the region in Senegal. It's the local church taking the lead to reach their own people. The Lord is working at the alley, So without the loud jacket or the loud jacket, I will be still going.
3: (laughs) God overcomes fears in many ways, doesn't he? um, So I want to encourage you to give because when you do, you support men like Moses and his family and, and on the mission field. And so let's, um, let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 1. Let's get the lights up, guys, so we can see the word in front of us in Colossians chapter 1 as we look at it and study it together. This is, um, I don't say this lightly, this is simply one of the greatest, if not the greatest, text in the Bible about who Jesus is. It's an incredible, incredible passage of Scripture. And so as we come to it, we, I come trembling because it is, it is, there's so much depth to it. And, and, and I just want to be able to open your eyes to see the beauty of this. Colossians 1, we're going to look at verses 15 through 20 today, um, next week, 21 through 23. So if you're able to stand, I invite you to stand and honor the reading and the preaching of God's Word. You remember in verse 13, he says, He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Well, who is that Son? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. To reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, before we try to climb this majestic mountain, the, the scripture that I just read, let's just stop it again and let's see how it fits into the context of what Paul's just prayed. Last week, we saw that God has qualified us. He's made us fit. He's rescued us. He's transferred us and He has redeemed us. Look at what He says He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son, that Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, who is this Son? Who is this One that redeemed us? Who is the One that? that provides forgiveness for us. I, I want to tell you that this passage should drive us to worship. The last couple of weeks I've been studying this passage and the passage that's coming next week, and, and I'll just be honest, I, I just stopped what I was doing, sitting in my chair, hands in the air, and wept before God because of what He's done for us, because of how much He showed His love for us. And my heart is this will drive you to worship this beautiful Jesus that we just sang about. It's fitting that as we enter the December in the second week of Advent, that we we come to a passage like this. Who is the Jesus of Advent? To answer that question, I, I can honestly say you have no better place to go than our text. If you want to know who Jesus is, to look at this passage, it is a, someone has called it this, a Christological mountaintop. It goes as high as we could possibly understand. It is, it is all about Jesus. If you look at the text, I'll just put that text back up there for, again, just for a moment is, when we look and see who this is, he, look at, look at the words, he is by him, through him, for him. Do you see this? It's all about Jesus. The the scriptures are all about Jesus, but but this is a passage that takes us and shows us. The the, the scholars believe that this was an an early creed, maybe even an early hymn, that, that the early church wrote and sang and remembered so they could remember who it is that they call Lord. If you're looking for verses to memorize these would be good verses to memorize it reminds us of who it is and what i want us to see this morning is is the supremacy of christ i i want us to see the beauty of jesus his his preeminence in everything and so let's just ask the simple question two questions who is jesus who is jesus This past week on Wednesday night, Dr. Ed Glasscock was teaching in Hebrews. He's going to continue that in January. But but Dr. Glasscock said something that that struck me. He said, he said, Jesus is the most well-known person who's ever walked the earth. And it's true. Everybody knows about Jesus. Everybody talks about him. At least those who have an opportunity to read or or those who have been any part of any type of religion, they know about Jesus. But but he said, why he's the most known person, he's, he's the most misunderstood person. A lot of people know about a person named Jesus, but they don't understand who Jesus is. This text helps us understand it, helps us show people who Jesus is. So I just want to walk you straight through it as we look at all this about Jesus Christ, this baby who came to the earth. Who is this Jesus? First, he's God. He's God. Get this and understand this. Jesus is God. Look at our text. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. Two main words that I want you to see in this text. The first word is image. What does it mean when he says that he is the image of God? We get a glimpse of it right there in the text. He is the image of the invisible God. God the Father is Spirit. No one sees him. You can't see him on this earth. We, we cannot see him for who he is. He, he, he has revealed himself in many ways, but, but we can't see him, so we need an image to know who he is. Jesus is that image. Jesus is the one who came. That's why John said in his Gospel, John 1, 18, no one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He's made them known. No one's ever seen God, but the only God who is at his right hand, he's made him known. Jesus is in the image of God. He is the image of God. He's the means by which we know the Father. Now, we know that man, all of us were created in the image of God. Adam and Eve were created in the image of God. But we also know that it's a fallen, it's a marred image because of sin there's there's an image that's fallen and 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 marred so when i look at you i should see god in you and see god about you but but it's a fallen image but jesus we can't be in the image as adam once was adam was created in the image of god without sin but understand this about jesus he he came as the second adam the first Adam failed. Romans tells us that Jesus came as a second Adam to accomplish what the first Adam could not do. And he did do what the first Adam could not do, would not do. So Jesus comes as a second Adam. and But I want you to get this. He, he was not created in the image of God. It's not what our text says. It says he is the image of God. Jesus didn't come created in the image of God. Jesus came as the image of God. That's why John says, and the word of God, and the word was with God, and and he dwelt among us. In, In Jesus we see the Father. That's why Jesus looked at the disciples and he said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. He drove the religious leaders crazy when he said, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus, Jesus says, Hebrews Hebrews says he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus is God, the second person of the trinity. That's the idea of image. But but let's look at the next phrase. He's, He's the firstborn of all creation. Does that mean Jesus created? There are some who would tell you that's what it means. They say, look at that word. It says, he is firstborn of creation, so therefore he he is a created being. But but let's just think about that reasonably for a moment. I I was watching this thing that John Piper did, and he, he he said, think about the way we use the little word of. I could say to you, this is a block of wood, okay? If I were holding a block of wood, I could say, this is a block of wood, and you would know I meant that this block is wood. So is that what Paul's saying when he says he's the firstborn of creation? He's a block of wood. He he is of this. This is what he is. Or we could also use the little word of like this. We could say, we could say Nick Saban is the head coach of Alabama. Kirby Smart is the head coach of Georgia. We don't mean by that that Nick Saban plays on the team. What we mean by that is he is the head over the team. On that field yesterday, no one doubted who was the head of each team. There's no question who is the head of a team. They knew. And so when you look at this and understand he is the first, firstborn of all creation, what it really should say for us is he is the firstborn over all creation. He is not created. He's over creation. Why? Why? Because he made it. The idea of firstborn, the idea of firstborn, is, it's not that he was the first one born, it is that he has the firstborn status. He, the, the firstborn in, in the Old Testament had more status than the rest of the children. He, he got a larger portion of the inheritance. And so when you're thinking about Jesus being the firstborn, he, he is preeminent. He's first in rank. He's, he's overall. There's a word in the Greek to say that he was the first created. That's not what Paul says. He is God. He's above all. The writer of Paul, in Philippians, Paul says, he is given a name that is above all names. The image of God, the preeminent one. He's God in the flesh. He's God. But secondly, he's creator. He's creator. Look at what he says. For by him all things were created. How could he be created if by him all things were created? By him all things were created. Look at the immensity of what he's saying here. As creator, what Paul's saying in his text is Jesus is the one that Genesis 1 is all about. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Who created it? Who spoke it into being? Jesus the word, the Logos. He was there in the all eternity. He's, he's the creator who created everything that we see. He spoke it into being. Think of the power of that. It's why Jesus could do things like just walk on water. He just walked on water. No big deal for him. It's why Jesus was able to be who he was. He think of the power. But then think of the humility that that powerful one who spoke the whole world into being entered into a womb and became a baby and lived on this earth. And rather than getting praises, he received curses. That powerful God entered a womb, took on flesh, and ultimately went to the cross. He's the creator. Hebrews 1, 2 says, through through whom also he created the world. He's created, not created. He's created. He's Lord. Now, the false teachers of Paul's day said that Jesus was just another angel. You, you see him deal with that in Hebrews, or not Paul, but the writer of Hebrews. He deals with it and says he's greater than the angels. Think about our day. The Muslim people say that Jesus was just another prophet. The Mormons say that Jesus is the Son of God, but he was born by the Heavenly Father and the Heavenly Mother. You know what else they believe? That he's the brother of Satan. That didn't come out on the commercials. The Muslims say he's a prophet. The the Mormons say that he's just, he's just a, a, he's the son of God, but he's born of heavenly father and mother. The Jehovah Witnesses say that he's the first one created. But that's not what Paul says. Paul says he created all things in heaven and on earth. Look at how he says it. He made the visible and the invisible. That means he made everything you can see and everything you can't see. There's a lot of stuff Paul couldn't see in his generation that we can now see because of microscopes and telescopes. But he made everything that you can see and everything that you can't see. He's he's over the angelic powers. Look at it. He's he's over thrones and dominions and rulers and authorities. Why? Because he wasn't made. He made them. Why is it that Jesus could walk in a room and a demon-possessed person would fall on the ground and begin to shake and the demon would cry out, we know who you are? Why? Because the demons knew him. They were made by him. They were made as angels, but they fell. They at one time worshipped, but they chose not to worship anymore. And Jesus made them. He's made everything, everything you can see and everything you can't see. But but notice that Paul affirms it in verse 17. He's, He's before all things. He's before all things. This is the third thing. He's eternal. Jesus is before creation. He's always been. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. John one one again, before Abraham was, I am. He's eternal. I'll give you. I, I just gave you four letters, okay? But let me give you another D. It's not this D. The one not, not the one coming up. Let me just give you a fourth thing, real real quick. He, he's also the sustainer. He's eternal. He's the creator. He's God. He's the sustainer, and in Him, all things hold together do you know why atoms don't just fall apart he wills them to stay together do you know why if I walk off this platform I'm going to hit the ground he wills gravity to take place you understand this your heart's beating because Jesus is holding you together your lungs breathe because of Jesus your eyes see because of Jesus your ears and if you think it's not true just pray it one day God I think I'll handle this on my own just take your hand off of me try it i dare you understand he is the sustainer and the miracle of it is that somehow even as an infant as a little baby on this earth he was the sustainer of all things there's another thing he's he's eternal he's the head of the church That's interesting that Paul throws this in here. He's talking about God. He's talking about eternity and sustaining. And all of a sudden, he says, he is the head of the body, the church, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Now, you all know this. Some pastors think they're the head of the church. I'm not one of them. There's some deacons and some elders who think they're head of the church. Y'all may not believe this, but there's some church members who think they're head of the church. I want you to know, none of us are the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the body. What an idea. The church is the body of Christ. Jesus is the head, we're the body. We're His hands, we're His feet, we're we're His mouthpiece. We we are to show and display His beauty in this world. I, I love what the late Adrian Rogers said, something with no head is dead, something with two heads is a monster. Church is not a monster. There are not two heads. There's one head. It's Jesus. Jesus Christ. Why is he the head of the body, the church? Well, look at it. He's the beginning. He's the beginning of the church. The church has no beginning without Jesus. We as mo- prim- primarily a Gentile people have, have no inclusion into the covenants of God without Jesus. The promises and covenants of the Old Testament have no fulfillment. Without Jesus, he, he started the church. He, he came for the church. He earned it. He paid for it. He continues to lead it through his spirit. He's, he's preeminent in all creation. And get this. He's not only preeminent in creation because he is the creator, he is preeminent in new creation because he's Savior. He is over us as the church, as a new created people, he is the firstborn from the dead. What in the world does that mean? I mean other people rose from the dead. <laughs> they throw Elisha in a grave and bury him. And then throw him in the grave. They put him in the grave and buried him. There's a war going on. Rebels are coming after him. Some some Hebrew soldiers are running and one of their friends gets killed and they take his dead body and they throw it in the grave of Elisha and he hits Elisha's bones and comes alive. It's in the Old Testament. Just read it. It's right there. There are other people who rose from the dead. There are two in the Bible who never died. But get this, he says he's the firstborn. He's, he's preeminent over all the dead. Why? He, Jesus is the first to come to life in true resurrected life. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. But you know what? Lazarus died again. We don't know when, we don't know how, but Lazarus died again to go to heaven. Jesus rose and never died again. And because Jesus rose and conquered death, we all have what he said at the very beginning hope laid up for us in heaven. Jesus is preeminent over all who have died and all who are alive. And so let me ask you is he preeminent in our church? Is he preeminent in our personal lives? Is Jesus preeminent in our relationships and our recreation? Is he preeminent in our finances? Does the way that we give show that Jesus is first? Is the way that we live and speak and and desire and spend our time does it show that He's first? Is He first in everything? He's God. He's creator. He's eternal. He's the head of the church. But let's just stop and consider now Advent and the incarnation where God became a man. Who was Jesus on earth? That's the second question. If we can say that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God, that Logos, Jesus, that He's always been, that He was the Creator and He was all of that, who was He while He was on earth? Well, Paul tells us, look at our text in in verse 19, for in Him, for in Him. And so that little word for, a little preposition, that little word for, it means He's going to tell us, He's going to show us what that means. He's going to show us and explain to us what he just said. So he says, here's who Jesus is, who he's always been. He's God, he's creator, he's Eternal. he's sustainer, he's the head of the church. Here's who Jesus is. Now I want you to see who he is when he comes to the earth as a baby and grows into be a man. He, He said, he said, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Jesus. He didn't cease to be God when he became man. He's the God-man. He says it again down in chapter 2, verse 9. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. The fullness of God. The Bible tells us in the Old Testament that the, the glory of God fills the earth. This glory, this fullness, this, this deity of who God is was pleased to dwell in Jesus. He, he took up residence in Jesus, the agent of creation, the one who spoke this world out of nothing, the sustainer of it all, came and dwelled as a man here on earth. He took up residence, but get this, don't forget this, he's fully man, but he is fully God. He's not just a man. He's fully God. He's the God-man. That's why John could say, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen His glory. Glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. God was not just pleased to dwell in the person of Jesus and that body that was prepared for Him, but verse 20 says, he was also pleased. That please goes both ways. He's, he's pleased to dwell and he's pleased to reconcile all things to himself. And so he's fully God and there is full, full reconciliation. We're going to study reconciliation in the next couple of weeks. But, but listen, let me just take you through this real quick. John MacArthur in one of his sermons said that there are five words that describe the richness of our salvation. Five words, and I just want you to write these words down, five words that describe the richness of our salvation. Certainly you could add words to it, but you couldn't take any of these words away. The first one is justification. Justification. We were sinners, but we were declared, when we placed faith in Christ, not guilty, but not just not guilty, we were declared righteous. Righteous with the righteousness of Christ. Justification. Secondly, redemption. Redemption. We were slaves of sin, but we were redeemed. We were redeemed and set free from that slavery. So we were declared not guilty, we were declared righteous. We were redeemed and no longer are we slaves to sin. Why? Because we were forgiven. Forgiveness is the third word, forgiveness. We were in debt to him. We used to sing at camp this little song. I, I owed a debt I could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. Jesus came and paid a debt, our debt. And because of that, the debt of sin was paid. It was nailed to the cross so that we were set free. So we see justification and redemption and forgiveness. Fourth word, adoption. We were strangers. We were strangers. As Gentiles, we were not a part of the covenant people. We were outside the promises of God. But because of Jesus, we've been adopted into the family. We've been brought in. Now, I mean, stop. Some of you are thinking, "What's a Gentile?" A Gentile is anyone who's not Jewish. Okay. We were not a part of the promised people of God of the Old Testament, so we were brought into that people of God in the church through Jesus Christ and what he did. We were adopted. We're we're no longer slaves. We're set free. We're no longer under the debt of sin. We've been been having our, our message, our debt paid, and now we're adopted as sons and daughters. And then that last word, reconciliation. Justification, redemption, forgiveness, adoption. And reconciliation. We were against God. We were at enmity with God. We may not look at ourselves that way, but that's the way the Bible pictures us. If we are outside of Christ, we are in sin and against Him. But God, God was pleased to reconcile us, He was pleased to make peace with us. We were at enmity, so He get this just get this he is the offended one the offended one made peace with the offender we are the offenders god is the offended but the offended took the action to make peace with the offender how look at our text by the blood of the cross this is a song we sang by the blood of the cross At the cross, the price was paid, and we have all that we need to be in union with Christ, to be in Him and He in us. He reconciled us to Him. We have hope. We have hope that one day we'll be glorified. One day there is a new heaven and a new earth coming, and we'll be with Him forever. The necessary steps have been made. All has been paid. All we await now for the second coming of Christ— All we wait now for is for God's patience as He's waiting for the last person who's going to come to Him to come. Jesus came one time. Jesus will come again. The Father was pleased to reconcile all things, things on earth, things in heaven. He will ultimately transfer us from the darkness of of sin and the power of sin and the presence of sin, even the presence of sin, into His kingdom. What a Savior we have. What a Savior. I've shared this with you before. I, I don't know, I just, it came to me as we're singing. and I just want to share it with you again. I had a seminary professor who, who talked about all the prophecy that Jesus fulfilled in his first coming. He said, he said, the odds of one person fulfilling all those prophecies. And he was from Texas, so he had this great illustration. He said, you fill the state of Texas with silver dollars one foot tall that's a lot of silver dollars he said fill the entire state of texas with silver dollars one foot tall from the ground and mark just one silver dollar and put it in the mix and then you blindfold your a person and you set them out and you say pick the marked one even though you can't see he said the odds of that person finding that marked coin on the first try are the same odds that one person could fulfill all the prophecies of the first coming of Jesus. And yet Jesus fulfilled them. And there are just as many prophecies about His second coming. He's coming again. And we had better be justified. And we'd better be redeemed and we'd better be forgiven and we'd better be reconciled and we'd better be adopted. We'd better be in Christ when He comes. Amen? Amen. Let me ask you to bow your heads for a moment. In just a moment we're going to sing and you'll have a chance to respond. A couple people are going to be baptized and and this would be a good time for them to go ahead and and, and go get ready and, and get ready for that. But for the rest of you, please, just for a moment, I want you to focus on what we're saying. Jesus is the most beautiful one in this universe. And He came to show us the glory of the Father and the love of the Father. He loves you and He cares for you and He wants you to be His. He's done everything necessary, but you must place faith in Him. If you've never done that today, we would invite you to do that. We would invite you to come today and receive Christ. You say, how do I do that? Well. You start by confessing that you've sinned. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so today, if you know that you've sinned against God, ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to come into your life and to save you. And when you trust in what Jesus did for you on the cross, when you trust in what Jesus did, and not in your own works, you trust in what Jesus did and say, I believe you died for me and I'm asking you to save me, He saves you. And he comes to live inside of you. He redeems you. He reconciles you. You say that's the awful easy. Well, for us, it's easy. The price was paid by him. That's not easy once we do it. We have to live our life and take up our cross, follow him. But the price is already paid. We just need to receive that price. And so today, if you've never done that, I would ask you to do that. And then if you have done that, I would ask you this morning, is Christ preeminent in your life? Is He first? Is there anything in your life that's taking place of Christ? And if there is, would you repent of that today and walk out of this room with Jesus as the head of your life and the head of this church? Father, I just ask You to speak to us now. Show us what it is You would have us do. I know that many people will make private decisions, but God, I also know that there are no private decisions for Christ outside these walls. It's public in the way that we live. And so I know that not everyone will come front, but God, I know also that you want to work in all of our lives, and so I pray that you will. And for those who may need to do something public today, would you give them courage to do it and help them? This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Tim's here. I'll be here. Mark Mark's will be here as well. You stand. If you need us, you come to the front.
2: a smooth side. Messiah
3: You to be seated. Let's get the lights back up. We have the privilege today of seeing two people baptized, and um, both have come to Christ. And um, so I want to introduce to you who's who's going first. All right, Daniel, come on, Daniel. This is Daniel um, Hurst, his mom Stephanie, and dad Tad, and brother Michael. Stephanie and Tad are coming also by letter to join our church, but Daniel got to come to Christ. Spending time with his grandfather, and there's his grandmother who 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 led him to Christ. And what better privilege? I can't wait for that day, man. I get to baptize my grandson, and so I can't think of anybody better to do that than to you. So Daniel, come on, Granddad, take over. This is um, flowers as he's coming.
4: Do you remember that day at the table when you gave your heart to the Lord? I do. do you remember that? want you know something, there's a promise that salvation can never be taken away from you. No. And with that promise, there's a responsibility to grow in the Lord in faithful obedience, obeying, in the, obeying the Lord and even your parents. That's part of growing in the Lord. <laughs> right? So, uh, but anyways, if you'll help this for me. So Daniel, because of your faith in the Lord, and your trust in him. I baptize you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You ready?
3: <laughs> <laughs> And I forgot to invite some friends to come up. I hope all the family got to come up, but I'm glad. Daniel, we're proud of you. Michael's, Michael's going to come to this pretty soon. We're just waiting on that moment for him. And so, and then Gabriel, come on, man, you and Keith. They've got a long history in our church and come on, Keith, take over. That's, that's, that's scary when I let Keith take over, but (laughs) take over the baptism, Keith. Hey, real quick, any family or friends that want to come get close, come on. we got time. There's nothing better than this right here. Man, y'all are already close. Look at you. I agree. Scoot around a little bit so some makes everybody can see. Gabriel's calling some of you. Come on, hurry. <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't do that with Daniel. So if any of you didn't get to come up, please forgive me. uh, If you're on that front row, why don't you sit down real quick uh, so everybody else can see. There we go. All right, Keith. There's a saying
4: that's between Gabriel and I. It's been going on for, I guess, since he was three. And I say it to him and he says it back to me what is mine is yours and what is yours is mine now Gabriel that's now between you and the Lord God and so Gabriel why are you being baptized today
1: because I want to show everyone my love for Jesus and the God
4: Gabriel in the name of Jesus Christ I baptize thee my brother in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Gabriel, was the water okay? (laughs) When we came in this morning, you could have boiled shrimp in that water. We, we, Matt and I were literally pouring ice in it Trying to cool it off a little bit We are so proud of y'all We're so thankful Let's show our appreciation to what God has done Thankful that all of you are here If you've never been baptized I promise you the water won't be hot it won't be cold, I hope, but I'll be right over here. I'd love to talk to you about that baptism guest. If you'd like to come see me and talk to me, I'd love to talk to you. Come by and greet the folks around you. God bless you. You're dismissed. Be back tonight for the
2: children's musical tonight.